Welcome to the second episode of Define Normal. Today we have a special guest, my mom, Sharon Jones, who I've been quarantined with for the better, what, half of a year now. So mom, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hi, Shelby. How's it going? <laughs> just, just saw you in the kitchen. Yeah, we're, so. we've been living together. Yeah. Um, so on this episode of the podcast, I wanted to talk about what it's like to live with your parents during quarantine and you know, from my point of view and how I've experienced it, but also hearing from my mom and, and her feedback from living with me for the past, I don't know, how long has it been now? Nine months? Has it been nine months? Maybe. I mean, it's been a little on and off, but we'll get into that. My first question for you is, how would you describe your time with me back in the house, your 27-year-old daughter? When people ask me what it's been like having Shelby back in the house, because people ask me that a lot because I don't get to see her that much and I don't really talk to her that much. So what that means for me is I don't talk to Shelby every day. And I mean, I talk to Shelby once a week. So I describe having Shelby back as the gift of COVID. So that's kind of my moniker that I put on it. Um, so to speak, just Shelby was the gift of COVID. Having said it is a gift, and I like gifts. It's been good. It's been good having her back in the house. So I'm glad we have that on recording. She's actually happy to have you in the house. I know some of your parents are ready to put you out or you're ready to leave, but she's actually been happy to have me here. And I've been happy to be here for the most part. I ended up leaving New York around March 15th and I left because New York was a scary place when COVID hit and we felt like we were in the eye of the storm. And the thought of sitting alone in my one bedroom apartment for what I thought at the time was going to be two weeks was scary. So I left and came home. And overall, it's been a lot more pleasant than I thought it was going to be, especially not expecting to be here for so long. Do you think you and dad would have asked me to come home, seeing all the reports of New York on the news and how bad COVID was spreading there and just all the morgue trucks and all the terrible reports? Do you think you would have asked me to come if I didn't insist on my own? Well, um, because of our experience with you, you are a very independent thinker and, and you have been probably since your sister was born. So uh, we would have suggested, we would have suggested that you come home knowing that you may or may not uh, have taken us up on that suggestion. So it would have been a suggestion and, and that's it. But yes, I'm pretty sure we would have suggested we would have coaxed knowing in the back of our minds that ultimately you're going to do what you wanted to do so so yeah. you don't think you could have made me come home but you no. would have lightly suggested that I come home I think we would have do done more than lightly suggest we would have done all that we could the whole tap dance and uh, maybe even cried a tear Okay, well, you don't really cry, so I don't know about <laughs> crying tears, but sure. Oh, but then we, you would have seen the performance. Wow, okay. We would have, we would have tried, but yeah, I, I think we would have known that, hey, try as you might, I, Shelby might say no. Yeah, that's realistic. I may have said no, but I came my own merit, so at least you didn't have to give that crying performance, which I have never seen in my 27 years, so that would have been a special performance. Oh, you know, yeah, I gotta hold that for the special moment. You know, you gotta hold your ace. Okay. You just never know. So you never know when your mom's gonna start crying on you, although she has no record of crying. What has been the hardest part of being basically jailed to your home for the better half of the calendar year? 
I think initially the hardest part, believe it or not, is not feeling like I was a part of it. And so what I mean by that is your dad was working, you were working, and you guys would have the stories to tell of what you did during quarantine. So I had to come home to Ohio. I had to start working from home. My dad was working from home, so we had to figure out spaces. Meanwhile, I was kind of flittering about waiting for you guys to take a break. So initially that was hard for me. So then I started like kind of getting into reselling. And if for those of you who don't know what reselling is, it's like taking um, things you have around the house perhaps or things you've thrifted and selling those things for a profit either on eBay or Poshmark or the many other reselling sites that they have. So that was my way of kind of having something to do. But even then it just... I don't know, it didn't feel like enough because I wanted my story to tell, like what it was like for me having to work through COVID or go to school through COVID. I really didn't have one until I started working again. And so, you know, then I had my own story to tell. But I don't know, that's kind of crazy. But at first that was hard for me because I wanted to have, I wanted to have my own unique story that was related to something more productive. Um, that I was doing for the community or I was doing for my workplace to be able to to tell people about my time during COVID. I am a homebody to my heart. Uh, I, I can't even explain how much. I mean, you know, but yeah. I don't know if your view, <laughs> you like your, to be at the your house. listening audience probably has no idea. But I love being at home. Being at home just brings me so much comfort. So that wasn't hard for me because there would be days that I would stay in the house. I wouldn't even go to the mailbox because I think that was your dad's thing where he wanted to do that. I wouldn't go to the mailbox. I wouldn't go to the store. I wouldn't take walks like you were taking walks daily. I wasn't doing that. I was literally in the house and I wasn't sad. I wasn't depressed. It was fine for me. So I can't say that there was any time be besides me wanting to have my own personal story of, yeah, I was able to help this person, but yet it was COVID time or I was able to work during COVID every single day and had to figure that out. I don't have that story to tell. So that was the hard part. But other than that, COVID for me was not hard yet. I'm not trying to trivialize at all how hard it must have been for a lot of people and what that would do for people who did not have two other people here. I think that was helpful that I had two other people here. I had your dad and I had you here. I had the telephone and I had, you know, television and stuff. And even though I didn't watch much television during the time of COVID, which was surprising, we had some pretty good conversations during COVID, uh, probably conversations that we would never have had. We wouldn't have had the time. I mean, times we were staying up to like five o'clock in the morning talking. So, I mean, it was it was a gift. I, I still go back to the fact that COVID was a gift for me, even though it was hard and I know it was hard for a lot of people. That was the silver lining. Um, obviously, we would want to be doing other things. We did a lot of traveling in 2019 that we weren't able to do in 2020. But the silver lining was having you here, being able to just be at home and uh, be with my family, be with, you know, we weren't, Sydney wasn't here. Yeah, and, she only graced us with her presence occasionally. Yeah, yeah, so maybe I should save my 
crying spell for her. Well, Sydney lives an hour away, so she had her own home and her own life, but she graces with her, with her presence on uh, major holidays such as Easter my and birthday. your birthday and Mother's Day and my birthday. Yeah. So and her birthday. So she wow. so, yeah, we she came occasionally, and I went to visit her as like a as an excuse to leave the house, honestly, and just get some quality time with her because I don't see any of you that frequently. I think COVID has been interesting because the one of the first things you said to me was. I haven't spent this much time with you since middle school. Like that's one something you said the first week I was here because you know even in high school clearly I lived here. But you're running around with your friends. Like you, obviously you worked, and I just wasn't. I didn't spend this much time just sitting here in your space speaking to you. No, um, you did a good job. I didn't think you could handle it. I mean to be honest with you, <laughs> I did not think you were going to be able to handle it. Your dad and I never talked about it. But I don't think he thought you could handle it. And so he was cooking you gourmet meals. And I say you because that little brief time that you left, we weren't getting those meals. So. And by we, we mean you. Yes. You weren't getting the gourmet meals. <laughs> I was not getting the gourmet meals. So I thought, he must have thought, that will keep her here. If I just cook these gourmet meals, she will stay. So When you said you don't think that I was going to make it, what does that look like? I was going to run back to New York? or Yeah, was... or you were going to run back to New York or you were going to find some friend that was doing something fun or was in some fun locale. I mean, you weren't going to be able to do much because the whole world was basically shut down, but you're going to find some fun locale and um, go hang out with those people. I know we didn't talk about it because we thought if we said the words, then it may happen. So you just kept it under wraps. We kept that to ourselves. (laughs) And just hoped that I would stay. (laughs) We'll just make it as comfortable as we can. And maybe she will not leave us. It was hard for me, but I think I internalized how hard it was because it was hard for everyone. So I felt it was hard to go from doing whatever I wanted in in New York, going out with my friends, hanging out at the office, being in my own apartment, to being in my parents' house. I kind of felt like I was regressing. It was like failure to launch where you just live with your parents indefinitely and you fall into like 16-year-old you. I struggled with it, but it was okay because I saw in New York how hard some of my friends were having it who couldn't go home or like had a job that required them to stay. So in the moments where I was like, oh, like I can't stand this anymore. I was like, okay, but I just talked to a friend who is literally a nurse and has to go to the hospital and deal with COVID patients. And I, she'd love to be home. So I can't complain. So that definitely kept me centered with their, that was my daily walk. My daily walk was like, just leave the house, breathe, listen to some music. So that helped. What is something that you've learned about me that you didn't know before quarantine? That you have a lot of friends. Um, You have a lot of friends and you seem to have a lot of people who really value your opinion, who really care about what you have to say about things. I I had no idea. So I I just thought that, I don't know what I thought. I I really didn't have any idea until you got here and... um, you have a lot of people who care about you. I mean, you were receiving packages like an influencer. I think, you know, you would get things from people and cards and candles and, you know, just people really seem to care about you. So that was comforting as a mom to know that you were that far away and that you had a nice community built in New York. So I didn't, I didn't always know that. I thought that the core of your friendships remained here in Ohio, actually, and that, you know, the friends that you had in New York perhaps weren't as close to you as the friends that you have here, but then I learned that that's 
that just wasn't true, that your friends here are your friends here and that they're very important to you and that your friends that you have established in Chicago and in uh, New York and other places are very important to you as well. So that, that was comforting. Definitely have a lot of friends. I think it was funny because whenever I was younger and I would accuse you of like reading my texts, like if I was texting someone and you were like, who are you texting? And then you would say, no, Shelby, no one cares who you're texting. No one cares who's on that phone. But I would stay up on FaceTime like all during quarantine because there are no rules and you don't have to actually go to the office. And you'd be like, who are you on FaceTime laughing with? Like, who are you talking to? So it's just funny because... I feel like you got a front seat to my my life that you typically wouldn't have. You know, when we see each other, it's like a family gathering. It's like we are going to my grandparents for Christmas or I'm coming home for a weekend or you and dad come to visit me in New York, but we don't get to like just life together. I think that was the most interesting part of COVID of like my everyday life. Like, oh, I just got out of this really annoying meeting or like I'm really frustrated about this work thing or one of my friends sent me a text. Like I feel like my mom knows so many intricacies about my friends probably more than she cares to know at this point because I'm just like and oh my god this happened but like something that I would talk about at like a brunch not necessarily with my parents but I don't leave the house so they're the ones I'm telling now do you also feel like you know more about my job now and what I do to be honest with you a little bit but please don't ask me what your title is because I'm not <laughs> going to remember the thing is, those the job that you have, I just don't think it existed when I was coming along and thinking about careers. And so I have an idea, a vague idea. So I don't know if I would be able to sit down and tell someone and then they would be able to understand it. Unfortunately, probably not. I don't. Well, it's not on the test, so that's okay. <laughs> How has COVID changed for you now that you are working and you get to leave dad and I at the house uh, instead of sitting here with us all day? So now I have a story, right? I have a story to tell of what I was doing during COVID. So that has helped. Um, that's helped me a lot, I think, um, to be able to tell my story about going off to work and having kids, because I'm a school counselor, having kids being quarantined and you know, at one point we had kids there at school. Now we don't have kids at school. Uh, we have kids who are remote. And then we have some kids who have decided to come to school. And then all of a sudden they decided they didn't want the, the kids at school at all. So I get to have my own story. So that's probably how it's changed. And then the fact that I can't stay up until 3, and 4, and 5 o'clock in the morning. Now I have to go to bed at a decent time and have a schedule and it's way more structured than it was back in in March. Yeah, back in March was the Wild West because I had to work and we would stay up until five in the morning and then I would get up and like just, oh, I can't believe I have to work right now. And you would get up at like 11, like, right. hey. <laughs> um, so that was definitely an interesting part of quarantine. Like, is there anything you've started during this time that you want to keep doing when we're allowed back out in the world? Well, the fact that I started reselling, I definitely want to keep that going. I was, I was rock, rocking pretty hard during quarantine and I've slacked up a little bit, but I do definitely want to get back into that a little more. I'm going to be more intentional about it and definitely be more consistent because it's, the consistency just isn't there because you know during quarantine I was like every night, oh, I have to list a couple of things or now I don't care. It's like a couple of, I'll list <laughs> 
I don't know, a couple things a month. Because you're working again. Yeah, because so I'm you're busy. Again. Right. From a family standpoint, do you think that after COVID we'll spend more time together? Because for me, I, um, I'm i doing vision writing and recapping with my friends this week. And I was saying to you how I want to review my vision. So when we talk about it, and one of my things in my vision actually was to spend more time with my family. So for me personally, I don't know what that looks like when we're allowed back out in the world, but I think I'll be more intentional about the time we spend together because for me, it's like there are designated events. Like we're going to spend Thanksgiving together. We're going to spend Christmas together. I might come for your birthday. We normally do something as a group with our grandparents and my uncles for dad's birthday. So, I mean, all of their birthdays are all have October birthdays. But anyway, we have those like tentpole family events. I'll, I'll consider spending more time with you guys outside of those events because that's not real time together. It's like a bunch of people and traveling and flights and this is more just like sitting and hanging out. So do you think you will ask Sydney and I or try to spend more time with Sydney and I um, as a result of this? I don't know because you know what I'm big on is I want you guys to want to do stuff with us. So I don't want you to feel guilty when you can't be with us as a family and us doing something or even just me. So, um, I don't think so. I don't think that I'm going to push for that. It would be nice. Uh, I think we've talked about maybe doing a trip together because we did a trip before. I think in 2019, we did a trip in the spring, just, um, the girls. I may push to do that, something like that. But I know you, I mean, I, I feel like again, I take what I can get. So this, I got a lot. I got a lot in a big chunk. So I, I just don't feel like I would push, push for that. Knowing that once you get out, you are going to have a list of things that you're going to want to do. You know, I'll just kind of play that by ear, but I, I'm not going to push for it. I'm not going to push for that time. So has spending more time with me at home taught you anything about how the lessons you taught in parenting manifested. So when I last lived with you, I was a teenager and now I'm 27. Do you see anything in me that you're like, wow, okay, like that's a result of living in this house. Like what are the things that you see in me that are results of your parenting? One of the biggest things that I see is your dad and I both wanted you and Sydney to be like free thinkers and we wanted you to be able to express yourselves and be very open about that and be very comfortable doing that and very safe doing that and I think that is one of the things that's that's one of the fruits of the labor of trying to raise you is that I see that you do that for sure that I don't have to I think there was a time and I don't know if you've gone back through the letters that I wrote you during camp but it's like speak up for yourself I want you to speak up for yourself and don't let people tell you what to think and you know, and I don't know if that's something I was seeing. I don't know if that was something that maybe I saw in my own childhood that I didn't want you to have to go through. But it's like now I'm like, whoa, she does all that. She speaks up for herself. She does not have a problem speaking up for herself. It's almost like I wanted to say, well, you don't have to speak up for yourself to me. But she... <laughs> you don't get to select who exactly. I speak up to. Right. Sometimes it's you too. <laughs> Right. And sometimes it's me too. And so it was those times. But yeah, it's kind of nice to see that um, you're your own woman. Uh, I wanted you guys to be dependent. And I think your, your dad wanted that for you too. 
Uh, and to be independent? Yeah, yes, to be very independent. I think that was important for us. That you guys were able to stand on your own, and, and I see that. I see that you take your work very seriously, that this is not a hobby to you. You take it seriously, other people take you seriously. And, you know, again, with raising you guys, we wouldn't let you quit stuff. And I think that was a part of it. It's like having a work ethic. You signed up for something, you need to see it through and there needs to be an end point for you don't just stick around for stuff you know endlessly however you need to create an end point where you're just not uh, skipping out on things and and leaving people without some kind of idea that you know you're going to leave us and, and it's time for you to go and this is this is an end point for you so i am pleasantly pleased with the way we raised you i think what I'm seeing is that um, you're you're independent, you are strong in your thoughts and opinions, you do not mind speaking up for yourself, which is is great. Been nice nice to see. So let's go back to those like five in the morning conversations. What kind of things were we talking about until five in the morning? I think basically like relationships came up a lot. Uh, we were talking about relationships with friends, relationships with family. I talked about a lot about, you know, how I grew up and what was going on, you know, with me as a young person moving around. Um, I moved around quite a bit, pretty much in the Midwest, you know, nothing, nothing out of this world, nothing out of this country. Besides California, <laughs> you live on the West Coast. Yeah, I did live on the West Coast for a stint. But yeah, we just, those were most of the conversations. I think a lot of times it was therapeutic for me because, you know, there's so many things that you don't tell your friends, you don't tell your spouse, and, you know, you're probably wondering, so why did you tell your 20-something-year-old daughter? Uh, you know, you just, you're easy to talk to, and that's what I learned just from being home that, People probably talk to you because you seem so interested in the things that they have to say. And you do that without interjecting your own experiences, which is hard to do because I feel like I lead with my own experiences and a lot of my advice. Like it's, it's my experience and I don't even say that, but I'm leading with that. The advice I'm giving, the feedback I'm giving is based on my experience. And I think it's hard. I mean, it's like you're so mature that you're able to give people feedback that is not based upon your experience. It's just a perspective. So that that's pretty awesome. And I think, I mean, it wasn't like I was the only one talking. I mean, you know, you would have things to say. But the things you had to say, I think it was so insightful uh, some of the things that you had to say and I didn't always like them I mean, sometimes we were up because it was like we were in like a heated debate in a sense like uh, I don't like what you're saying so and this is why and you had to give me your your viewpoint on you know why you didn't accept what I was saying so it was just kind of those relationship type of conversations that are always fun because we all have friends and family and those relationships can get hard sometimes. And just talking about, you know, how did we get to a space and time with some of our friends and some of our family 
and you know why do we let some things go that they do and why do or accept the things that they do and then why do we challenge uh, friends and family on the things that they say and do and also why don't we challenge friends and family I think you are from the mindset or the school of when people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing one hold them accountable I'm not always that way I am you know, they are who they are, we love them, and we go on. And I think a lot of our debates would be about, you know, why aren't we holding people accountable for the things that they're saying, for the things that they're doing. Even when they're doing great things, there's no accountability to hold them to, but then, you know, praise them. Say that they're doing the great things so that when we see them doing things that are not necessarily, because sometimes they are traumatic, but sometimes they are just inappropriate it would be easier for us to tell them that this is inappropriate had we told them when they were doing things that were really great. Like, you know, I like the way, kind of that lead in with, uh, I like the way you are. <laughs> you know? Some good so, feedback. Yeah, good that, feedback. that good feedback. And the bad feedback or the less favorable feedback would be more palatable. So I enjoyed the conversations. I feel like I mean, it's different because I feel like we've always had marathon conversations. You said early in the conversation that we don't talk very frequently. I, I explained to my friends that I don't talk to you every day. We might text. I say we text every week, um, but not every day. We don't talk on the phone every week, but when we do talk, it's usually for like over an hour, maybe like two hours or so of a phone conversation. So it's like every two weeks or every three weeks, I'll talk to you for a few hours. And those conversations were like mini compared to the ones we had in person but I also feel like being in person and being older, you've like told me more about yourself. Like I feel like I have learned more about you in this time than I have like ever. When I'm home, usually it's like a very quick, okay, we talk. Maybe we need to do something else. Maybe we have to go somewhere. But I'm like, we're just chatting. I mean, my dad goes to sleep very early. So dad would be like not awake for our chats and he might like come up and get some water and be like it's five in the morning why are you guys we're like looking at him like you're interrupting our conversation like why are you up right now so I think that was good for me because not everyone gets this chance like I asked you early on about you know can you imagine a world where you had to go live with grandma me for like this amount of time and what that would look like I'm glad I got the experience I don't think we'll be able to replicate it but I think we will always remember it which is pretty special yeah that's why it's a gift. Yeah, it's it's a gift. So <laughs> You keep calling it a gift, and I think I'll look at it like that after, because I think I asked you for a lot of feedback on things that I would not have called you to ask. Because I think a lot of people call their parents to be like, hey, I'm doing this, what do you think? Hey, this is happening, what do you think? And I'm not like that, but now that I'm home with you, I'm like, well, what do you think about this? I'm doing this, like, what do you think? So I think that's been fun, too, to get some quick feedback about things. What is the first thing you want to do when we're allowed to roam the world? Like when, we're when this is over, we can all go home, well, I can go home. What, what do you want to do? I want to go probably, because you know we, we've taken some mini trips, full disclosure. Um, so I did go to Florida for a wedding during quarantine. Very small wedding, wasn't a spreader event. No one got COVID uh, from the event. We were there 48 hours, so we did that in October, and then we went to Vegas uh, with, with another couple during quarantine, and we did that in December. We've done s some small things, but just the same amount of traveling that we were able to do in 2019. So we were going, your dad and I were going somewhere once a month, just to do our little short trips 
where we're out and about um, in cities and maybe hit a concert. I probably won't go to a concert until, what are we, in 2021? Maybe 2022? I just don't think I'm ready for the big, the big crowds. So that's going to be something I'm going to want to do that's not going to be the first thing. The first thing is probably just taking more of our trips and seeing my family. Because I have some family members that are older that... Even the people who live with them in the city, they're not seeing them. So I want to be able to go visit some of my family members just face-to-face, -face, give them a hug. Um, that's something we kind of like to do is to visit our family, and that's not something we've been able to do, especially the ones who are older. So we've seen our parents. Uh, your dad's seen his parents. I've seen my parents. But we haven't seen our aunts and uncles and um, you know our cousins and stuff in other cities. So we want to we get back to that stuff, too. Did any of my COVID behavior or dad's COVID behavior make you nervous? So I'm thinking back to the beginning of COVID or we'll say March when I first came home, I wasn't really seeing anyone. Like in full transparency, I came here, I kind of sat down. Once summer started, I was seeing my friends. I was driving to Columbus and seeing my college roommate, Natalie, and I saw Amanda. They threw me something for my birthday. I went to Cleveland. Like I did a, I did a few things. So or is there ever a time where you're like, oh, I can't believe you're leaving the house? Because I'm asking, you never communicated that to me, but I'm curious, did you ever feel weird about my COVID adventures? No, I didn't because I knew you were being as safe as you could be. When you came here, you were really nervous about how we were acting and not just your own family, your immediate family, but just like the city, the state, you know, how we were handling COVID. Uh, in Ohio as opposed to how it was being handled in New York City. So I knew that you had a heightened sense of what needed to be done during COVID. So I, And I knew that you also, for your own mental health, needed to take those breaks. So I didn't. I never thought about your, your behavior is risky. I think there was a time when your dad went, he took a trip on the plane and that I was somewhat nervous about that because he was actually getting on a plane uh, being in a confined space for a long period of time. So I thought, oh, this is, what is this going to be? But I think on the airline he was on that, you know, they had, um, you know, cleared the middle seats so that their the middle seats were open. You know, it wasn't as bad as it could have been, but I didn't, I didn't really think about it. I never got, had those moments that I was like afraid for the things that you were doing because one, you didn't do a lot. And I knew that you were being pretty cautious and we weren't doing a lot of touching. I really feel like we haven't like embraced, embraced maybe once. Yeah, so, that's true. We haven't been hugging. Yeah, we haven't been <laughs> hugging. So there wasn't a lot, even though we were in the same space, breathing the same air. I, I felt like you were being pretty safe. So I feel like COVID has made me less of a like hugger than I already am. Like I'm not a very touchy person as it stands, yeah. but COVID has made it worse. Like when people hug me, sometimes I'm a little like jumpy. Like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like the hugging during COVID. I've become more of a hugger as I've gotten older. I definitely wasn't when I was younger, even 20s, 30s. But as I've gotten older, I've gotten to be more of a hugger. However, I don't, I don't like the hugging during COVID. I just think it's, I think people are being, um, and I know it's just almost like a, knee jerk you yeah, it's know, a reflex right exactly you see somebody you hug them but I, I almost want to put my hands up I mean there's only been a couple of times and even the 
handshaking. I'm not. I'm not exactly. Like, don't touch me. Yeah, just COVID. don't don't touch me during a pandemic, uh, please. And I mean, I don't be want to be rude about it because typically I'm not like that. But you know, during the pandemic, don't the hugging is a no. It's been kind of a reflex though, because the hugging is a no. But then there are some people who haven't seen you in a long time, and they're like, go for the hug, and we're already in it. Like I'm like, oh no, we're in it already. Or they give you the look like. I know we shouldn't be hugging, but I'm going to hug you. So it's been very interesting just socially because by the time you try to block the hug, like you're being fully embraced. So yeah, yeah. The whole, the hugging needs to to stop during the pandemic. I'm sorry, but it does. Do you think we're going to keep some of these behaviors during, um, that we picked up during COVID after? So do you think people will continue to wear masks? Do you think we will continue to social distance in restaurants? I mean, they're not really doing that in Ohio, I would say. Not all of them. Yeah, some of them are, but not all of them. I think there's going to be some residual uh, from COVID. And I don't know. The mask wearing in public, I think there will be a group of people who will wear masks in public and in grocery stores, confined spaces. But I think gradually, we just forget. You know, I was just telling someone, when I was in Vegas in December... I forgot that there was a mass shooting. Like someone said to me, oh, that's the place where the mass shooting occurred. I wasn't thinking about it as I was packing. I wasn't thinking about it on the flight. I wasn't thinking about it until someone said to me. So I think we forget. When I'm in New York, I don't think about, I don't think about 9-11. I do sometimes, but I don't always think about that. So I think we forget. And this is different because everybody's kind of gone through it in a very personal way. So maybe, maybe we will keep the mask going, but I guarantee you five years, you know, you're going to see fewer and fewer, fewer and fewer people wearing their mask. Once the, you know, we get the okay and we get the vaccine and all of that, people are going to slowly forget that this was a thing uh, five, 10 years, because what, 20 years, we're coming on 20 years uh, for 9-11, and, um, you know, there are some people who, they weren't even born, so. That's a scary thought. When people say they were born after um, 9-11, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, right, right, and I mean, that was a scary time for us um, in this country. I don't know how people outside of the country felt. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I think there's some, there's going to be some things we're going to keep. Being in education, I often think about what's that going to look like for education, because I also think they're going to be students who they are thriving during this online remote learning. Obviously, we know that some kids are having a hard time, but I, I know for certain there are kids who are thriving during this time because they're not, you know, maybe they have social anxiety. Maybe they, you know, have problems with bullying and they're just not going through that and they can concentrate on the content and, and learning. So it, it's going to be interesting to see because there are going to be some things that, um, We'll be here to stay. So one more question to wrap it up. What has been your favorite quarantine meal? You said dad was making all these gourmet meals, mostly for me, uh, since apparently when I left for my, my stint in New York, they went away. So what is the best thing that you've eaten all of quarantine? Because in full transparency, we're a family that likes to eat. Yes. Um, my mom and I are often talking about like what are delicious things that we can eat. So... What is one of the best things you ate in quarantine? 
So probably when we did the seafood boil, and I feel like we've had a couple, but I... Was that your birthday? Yeah, I wanted one for my birthday. So I wanted a a seafood boil for my birthday. That's been one of my favorite things because that's not something we do all the time. Like we will have like, you know, pasta with the seafood pasta or uh, crab legs and we may have lobster, but to have all that together... That was that was my fave. And I like collabed on that. I made a really delicious sauce for you the did. boil. So I got to add a little bit. I haven't been cooking in quarantine really. And see, that's one of the perks of living with your parents because so many of my friends are on Instagram cooking and getting better at cooking. And I cannot say that that's what's been going on here. I don't really cook yeah. at all. I've probably cooked two meals in this house in the nine months that I've lived here. And same with you. I mean, dad cooks yeah, like everything for us. Yeah, he does. And so, and he does a good job of that. So we appreciate, we appreciate that. But you started cooking, like when you first came, you were cooking things. Yeah, I was trying it out. cookies. Oh, yes. A yes. lot. My famous quarantine cookies. If and, you... I, and I got the quarantine 15 because of those cookies alone, I'm thinking. Don't put that on those I cookies. I think it was the cookies. It, I didn't... you cooked the cookies a lot. But I didn't gain the quarantine 15. Well, but you were walking every day. And working out, but I didn't. Yeah. I, I did make famous cookies in quarantine. These brown butter chocolate chip cookies that some of you have had the pleasure of having. They're delicious. My mom is blaming the quarantine 15 on them. I don't know if that's entirely true, but they're really good. So that's probably the one thing I did cook. I was baking. I made a caramel cake. You made a pound cake. Um, yeah. And I made cookies a million times. You so. made cookies a lot. Yeah. Well, I don't think anyone was complaining. They I were was always gone. And like two days. I'd be like, oh, cookies. And then you'd have like the leftover um, toffee candy that I like. I the quarantine fifteen. We're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on. Yeah, that. I'm definitely gonna work on that. Well, thanks for joining me, mom, and talking about our quarantine experience together. Would you do it again? If you could be quarantined with me again for nine more months, would you do it? Uh, I'm gonna say no because <laughs> not because of anything with you, but because I know the world just did not enjoy it a lot of people didn't enjoy it as much as we might have or I might have so I'm gonna say no just for the sake of the world but you know if it could just be us oh hell yeah you'd quarantine with me again (laughs) I would I would quarantine with you again I'm personally gonna say I don't know if that's the journey I'm on I really liked our quarantine but I think Nine more months of not being able to move around is scary to me. Yeah. I'm ready to fly like a butterfly and do yeah. other things. And we like that. We like that because we like the stories that you have when you do. Well, I'll come back and visit you more. But for now, I still live here. So <laughs> enjoy. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I would also love your feedback. If you enjoyed the episode or have a comment for me, please leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app. See you next week.